friends, and welcome to the CU Insight Network podcast. My name is Lauren Kolb. I'm the publisher and CEO at cuinsight.com. And it's my job on this show to have conversations with the thought leaders who support the credit union community. There are so, so many of them. And together, we get to identify those issues that affect credit unions and talk about all the best practices out there to learn from one another and improve our industry. My guest on today's show, I am so thrilled to have here... Tracy Kenyon, newly the executive development partner at Humanity, is joining us. Tracy's had a long, long and uh, illustrious career in credit unions. I'm so excited to chat with her. Tracy, thank you so much for being here. Hi, Lauren. It is so fun to be with you today. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Well, I'm really excited to dive into your story, your your career journey, a little bit more about what brought you to humanity. But before I do, I want to go all the way back to the beginning. Most of us did not grow up thinking we would work with credit unions one day. What did you want to be growing up? Oh, just like I am today. I was sort of all over. I can remember wanting to be an actress. I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a professor. And you know, what's interesting when I sort of connect those three different professions, I think, huh, what's, what's interesting or, you know, about and unique about each of them? And what is also kind of What's a central theme? One of the central themes is working with people and getting a chance to be in front of people. So I'm delighted to say that while I did, I am not a lawyer or a professor, I think there's probably a little actress in me. And I get to do each of those roles a little bit in my career. I've had gotten the chance to do that. That's incredible. I love that you you found a way to put all of those skill sets into, <laughs> into practice. We know you've had such a wonderful career in the credit union industry. Can you give everyone a sort of a snapshot of what the journey was like from thinking you might be an actress, a lawyer, a professor, to getting into the industry all the way to your newest role at Humanity? Oh, it's been a journey. I mean, 38 years. My first job literally out of college was answering telephones at a large credit union. And the fun fact about that is that I paid for that job. I don't know that they even have employment agencies like that any longer where the the applicant, the candidate pays for the job. I paid one month's salary for over two months uh, for the opportunity to answer phones at this credit union. And At the time, it was very painful, but financially and probably a little bit to my ego, too, because I thought, well, I'm a college (laughs) graduate and, you know, I'm starting out at the lowest spot. However, it was probably the best financial investment I ever made. And it was certainly great for me to calm my, my jets down and to learn that it is important to learn everything. And one of the things about being a phone receptionist is, is, you know, what departments are busy, which are not, I kind of knew where, where all, where all the power was vested, if you will. And I was on the phones for about six weeks, and I got my first promotion. And about, I don't know, two or three months later, I got my next promotion. And honestly, within uh, 18 months, I was running a department. And so that was truly storied for me in that first credit union. And then I worked for 
three other credit unions. So from like, as I said, phone receptionist to running the real estate department at one credit union. And then I did collections and IRA work for another credit union. Then I went to work for a credit union as a marketing director, uh, where I also did balance the corporate credit union for them. And then my last credit union experience was with First Tech Credit Union and ultimately became their first corporate trainer, which was a, a really, truly delightful job. And from there, I moved from the Pacific Northwest, which is where I grew up, to Salt Lake City, Utah. And I took my first job at a league where they hired me to be also a corporate trainer and go out and deliver training to credit unions. It was a new role for them. And two years into it, I was promoted into the vice president of due supported services. And that happened to coincide with HR 1151. So the late 1990s and also the famed banker uh, battles of Utah credit unions and Utah banks um, back in that time. So I found myself in the thick of all of that and really functioning as the air traffic controller, we had so many balls in the air. And um, my role, while I was a lobbyist and the chief paid lobbyist on staff, we had so many other folks that were, you know, on, on staff from different or not on staff on contract. And so I had this, again, this sort of bird's eye view of all of it unfolding and me being able to help just again, maintain the balls in the air. And from there, I was um, recruited to become the CEO of Montana's Credit Unions, a role that I cherished for 22 years and retired from there last month. And here I am bringing, I hope, um, you know, my this experience and skills and talent to humanity. And I'm really excited about the opportunity to just dig in and focus primarily on talent development and helping others build their careers. I love hearing the career story. I don't think I've heard it in its entirety before. And my jaw was just kind of hanging open while you were talking about paying for your first job. I don't know that I've ever heard that before. <laughs> Isn't that... It's crazy. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it is kind of crazy. And when I say it out loud, I'm like, oh... Wow, that was, yeah, I'm not sure. Again, I'm not even sure if it's legal or if anyone does it, but I did. Well, it's amazing that you uh, paid your way to credit unions. And, and to your point earlier, it certainly paid off with an amazing credit union career. I am so excited to have you today. And we have previously welcomed Jill Nowacki and, and Oscar too as guests on the podcast. And so it's it's so great that you're a part of the amazing humanity team if you were going to summarize for someone what humanity does for credit unions, what would that elevator pitch be? Or how would you describe the work that humanity is doing in the industry? So my elevator speech would be that we engage with credit unions who are intentional about inclusive workspaces and developing talent. And with that, that's sort of the end of it. And then I would, and then I would further encourage someone that was at all interested in the kind of work that we do or in 
building inclusive workplaces, building a DEI initiative, looking for executive recruiting, looking for executive coaching, and and quite frankly, anything that has to do with your people operations, call us first. We're curious people and we'd love to uh, to find a way to, to serve you with those needs. It seems like every day we are seeing a new press release or a new post about an amazing CEO or, or an amazing executive in the industry that humanity has placed. And I know that there's a lot more, especially with you joining the team, that humanity is doing and can do for credit unions. Can you share a bit about how you and the whole team there really partner with credit unions to ensure that their strategic plans don't leave out that, what would say maybe the human talent part of the business? And, and a little bit about why that matters so much. Well, Lauren, it matters because the employee experience is so crucial to any business. And there's recent research that codifies some very old research that shows that 85% of career success comes from soft skills. And soft skills are not just people skills. They are things like time management, critical thinking, collaboration, just a, a myriad of things that that help us work together as humans. And so that is why I would say it's absolutely critical to include your people in any kind of strategic plan that you have the people are really the ones that are going to get the work done. The people are really the ones that are serving your members. The people are the ones that matter. And not just, again, your people, but how you're treating your vendors, how you're treating your business partners. All of that is so critical. And all of that is about your corporate culture. And one of the things that we do at Humanity is that we make sure that we understand the culture and not just the culture where it is today, but where you want it to be and that we customize programs and solutions to your individual credit union. I love that. When we think about the importance of people, I've heard a lot, you know, start at the top. So start with, with your leaders, whether or not that's the best strategy. Maybe we start everywhere all at once. But what would you say is the best strategy for really creating those engaged leaders? So to create engaged leaders, we really need to meet individuals where they are. And one of the most important things we can do is to help people work on their self-awareness. Another little data point is that a Harvard-trained neuroscientist named Juliet Hahn recently narrowed it down to one skill that is super important for successful people. And that skill is surprisingly self-awareness. And for people to really get to understand who they are before they start to, especially as leaders, before they start to manage and supervise and coach and train others, I think is 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 critical. And so one of the things that I'm excited about doing in my one of my primary roles here at Humanity will be with executive coaching, and that is to help people become truly self-aware. I think the self-awareness piece is is really critical, especially you know we hear from from managers, from leaders who, if they get that feedback later on in their career, they're like, "Well, I had no idea. I wish someone had told me." <laughs> 
So I'm going to skip around a little bit in uh, our scripted questions here. And I want to ask more about executive coaching. Are there misconceptions that maybe you hear from folks about what executive coaching is really designed for? Oh, absolutely. I'm so glad you asked that question. So many people think that executive coaching or coaching in general is remedial. And, and it is absolutely not. And there is certainly a place for, um, for trying to change behavior or teach people. Um, but you know, you think about a sports athlete. Um, if my husband ever listens, he, he'll, he'll know that I'm talking about my, uh, my boyfriend, Mookie Betts, um, from the LA Dodgers. You know, Mookie's got, a myriad of coaches. And here he is, one of the prof- best professional ball players. I-, I heard recently announcers say he's the best utility player ever to play the game. And you know that he's got all these coaches. And so I think that's the really important thing to remember is that as executives, as professionals, we're always on this journey to get better. And getting better is having a thought partner, which is what executive coaching is, is having a thought partner to help you unlock what is already inside of you and to help you think about things maybe with a different perspective or a different lens or ask some probing questions. It is not to say, take someone who is a naturally an introvert and make them an extrovert. That's that's not at all what, what coaching is about. And I think sometimes people think, well, they just want me to be something that I'm not. And the actual response to that that I have is my goal as a coach is to make you the best that you can possibly be. And that means standing in your truths, standing in your authentic self, and really helping you shine and do the best because it involves it meaning corporate cultures, moving business forward, happy families, happy work, everything. Life involves all of us showing up and bringing our best selves. And that's really what coaching is all about. I love the metaphor of an athlete. And I think that is one that a lot of executives maybe don't think of when they hear executive coaching. But to your point, thinking of an athlete without a coach, my goodness, you know, there's so much that they're missing out on if there's no one coaching them. And so as an executive, that is such a good metaphor. And I I love the work that you are doing around that. I'm curious, part of creating the right culture is hiring right the first time, especially at an executive level. There's so much impact that those leaders have. Do you have any tips and tricks for, for getting it right the first time when you're hiring? Oh, you know, you, you use one of my favorite words and that's culture. And, um, I will tell you, Lauren, that, that there are really only three things. And I've been teaching on this since I was at first tech. So for a very long time, there are really only three things we're trying to get to when we are hiring someone. Can they do the job? Will they do the job? How will they fit our culture? And so can they do the job is skills based. And you probably should be able to ascertain that from the resume, from a cover letter. Um, it's, it's something that you should be able to, to figure out pretty quickly. And in, in large part, when you're hiring an executive, you can weed out from that. So executives listening in, I'm going to tell you, 
you better target your resume for the job and with the skills that you think that they're looking for, for that job. Will they do the job? That's attitudinal. And so as we interview, it's so important that we ask questions that dig into their past. When you had a situation that was like this, how did you handle it? If you had a situation in the future, how would you handle it? What did you learn from that? Those are the kinds of questions that attitudinal is so important. Trying to get down to another soft skill, which is work ethic. Is that going to fit the kind of work ethic that you have at your credit union? And then the corporate culture fit. You have to be a student of your own culture. You must understand what your culture is. Again, where you're at now, where you want to be, and you need to start taking some steps as a hiring professional or a leadership team and determine if I'm here at point A and I want to get to point Z, there's a lot between that. I don't know that I can do that math, but I probably, what, 24? four points, right? Um, (laughs) So how am I going to get from A to B? And, And so that's when you start hiring people that will either fit the culture that you, you love and you revere and you celebrate. Or you you start to hire people that will can build you to that culture. You start to hire people that have some of those attitudes and traits and skills that you need to get you to whatever that corporate culture goal is, which I believe is probably a moving target. And that's okay. So one of the things I would suggest is that you do look for people who are in, you know, I think curious, who are willing to make changes, who are willing to learn and grow, who are collaborative. Those are the kinds of things that, that most organizations would be looking for. And I will share that if you're not able to find them in your current pool, it may not be the pool. It may be how you're asking, you know, what what it is that you're doing to get candidates. And so give us a call at Humanity. We are happy to help. I'll add a plug here, Tracy, to your point. Uh, Insight uses Humanity for all of our searches and the, the resources, the support, the advice that we've gotten from the Humanity team has been invaluable to choosing the right candidate at the right time. So it is, it is always something that we value is that partnership with Humanity. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love getting a plug like that. Yes. Well, we're so excited about the work that you are bringing to the Humanity team. As we look to the future, to 2024 and beyond, I can't believe I'm, I'm, we're already more than halfway through this year. What is Humanity's focus for the road ahead? What would you say that future roadmap is looking like? You know, we are so committed to being a catalyst to build inclusive credit union leaders. You know that both Jill and I, and and quite frankly, everyone at the Humanity team has long roots, deep roots, and long history is probably what I should have said in the credit union space. We love credit unions. We are, we are all in. We're cuckoo for you know, Cocoa Puffs for credit unions. Um, And so that's so important to us to continue to build a viable credit union system. We really want to assist credit unions as they integrate their most important 
assets, which of course is is our human, our, our humans, our talent, into organizational plans and development, kind of as we talked about earlier. Um, in addition, I would tell you we're so focused on DEIB that I think it's something that if credit unions haven't started to engage, and I think most have, but if they need some help, we're, we're your best partner. Because again, we are credit union professionals who really do want to see credit unions thrive. Tracy, you mentioned DEIB, and I think many of us have heard of DEI, but if someone didn't know what that B stands for, can you can you share more about that? Absolutely. The B is belonging. You know, we can build all of these systems, but if we still don't have cultures where people feel like they really belong, then it's all for naught. So that, that, that belonging goes back to some of that corporate culture, that work of making sure that every voice is heard. Everyone has a seat at the table. Um, that it's not that we have several tables set. It's that we have one long table. And if it's not long enough, we build it bigger. I love that. That is uh, just a perfect way to describe DEIB, which I hope is what we will hear sort of taking over as, as just the previously DEI used acronym a lot there. Tracy, as we wrap up the show, I always like to have some fun with rapid fire questions so that our listeners get to know you a little bit better. I'll ask the questions in a rapid format, but your answers don't have to be that quick. If you are ready, we will dive in. I took a deep breath. I'm ready. <laughs> Perfect. Well, who is someone in your life that was a great leader and what makes them so great? So I mentioned that I was uh, blessed to work at First Tech Credit Union and I worked there under Tom Sargent's leadership. And Tom Sargent, God God rest his soul, passed away. It's going on two years. But Tom was absolutely innovative and collaborative and inclusive. And one of the things that I loved about working with Tom is that there was never, there was never, oh, we can't do that. Everything was a possibility. And he was always so curious and he was always so far ahead of his time. Tom was also a great baseball fan. And I remember the first time I ever saw the internet, he, I was walking down the hall by his office and he said, Tracy, come in here and look at this. And I saw his computer and things were moving. And he said, it's a baseball game and it's live. And I was like, on your computer? I didn't know that was such a thing. Now, remember, this was in the 1990s. And so working at First Tech with Tom was nothing short of um, it was there was always something great. It was nothing short of, of brilliance, really. And I remember him saying to us once at all staff meetings, he said, there will come a time when we will be able to be between the consumer, our member, and their transaction because we own all the data. It was the first time I'd ever thought of that. And he said, we should know that they're renting a movie and getting a pizza every Friday night. We should be the ones managing that for them, if you will. And I'm not sure that we've ever gotten there as a credit union space, but it was a really 
it was a, such an eye-opening and thought-provoking thing for me to to even consider credit unions, you know, as a data source. And I know a lot more talk big data. We talk about it a lot now, but that was Mr. Sargent back in the you know early 1990s. Wow, that is truly incredible. Such a such a forward-thinking leader. It clearly had a lot of impact. I love that. If you are going to splurge on something, Tracy, if you want to treat yourself, what is something you might invest a little bit into? Okay. I can't even believe I'm going to say this live and out loud, but people that know me are not going to be surprised. Probably a handbag. It always fits, Lauren. No matter what my body is doing to betray me, a handbag (laughs) always fits. So... I, I like that. That is a great piece of advice. Maybe you didn't intend it as advice, but I'm going to take it. <laughs> All right. Good. Here's a random question for you. If you travel for work, which I assume you do quite a bit, what's that city when you see it on the agenda? You're like, oh, I'm so excited to go to this city for work. So Lauren, you, you and I both know we get to travel a lot in our jobs and it's, it's such a blessing. And there are so many cities that I, that I absolutely love, but there is one that I completely enamored with. And I was just there a few weeks ago and that is Claremont, California, the home of the Western CUNA Management School. I started to say WCMS, Western CUNA Management School. I'm, um, I'm blessed to have served on the WCMS board and now I'm on the faculty and I absolutely love Claremont. It's this darling little burg tucked up close to the mountains, but you get there and you do not have any sense that you are in Southern California. The Pomona Colleges, the Claremont College campuses are right there. There's really sweet restaurants. There's lovely shopping. It's just, I absolutely, I'm in love with Claremont, California. I don't know that I've heard that response before, but I think that is amazing. We'll definitely link to WCMS, Western Community Management School, if anyone's interested in learning more. My guess is most folks have heard of it. Tracy, what is a book that you think just everyone should read? Well, so many. One of the things that is a fun fact about Tracy Kedian is that uh, she worked her way through her undergraduate at an independent booksellers. So I'm a book person. I love books. I love to read. I love to actually decorate with books. I'm a person that I got books everywhere. One book that I would say is The Memo by Minda Hartz. The Memo is an African-American woman's uh, guide to um, navigating corporate America. And I think it's an excellent and timely read for anyone. I will have to add that to my list. I have quite a few books that are waiting to be read. So that one is going to get added for sure. What has been your best hack for creating balance and integration between your work life and what I like to call on the show, your life life? I actually, when I hear that question, I always think of uh, that song, Blurred Lines, because my lines are very blurred. And so my work and my life are kind of They're very integrated. I am married to a credit union CEO, Eddie Black, and he and I are both sort of, can I say it out loud, workaholics. But 
the one thing that we do is that we get out into the Bob Marshall wilderness where there's absolutely no cell coverage, even if you wanted it. I guess you could do a satellite, but I'm, I don't need it that badly and get out there and we fly fish and hike and just hang out. And it is absolutely uh, rejuvenating and fabulous. So that's the on the few times that I absolutely disconnect, but I'm embarrassed to tell you that right now I have four screens open in front of me with four different applications on them. So I'm probably not the best one to take advice from on that. My, my lines are pretty blurred as well, but <laughs> so I love your your way to disconnect as well. Tracy, we're going to link to everything we talked about today in the show notes. If anyone wants to get in touch with you or the community team, we'll link to some contact information too. But my last question as we wrap up here is, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share or final asks of our listeners today? You know, I'm always really curious. So I would love it if there was a way to find out in one word, maybe two or three words, but in a a brief number of words, what makes a good corporate culture? What is it that that is, you know, that's been kind of the theme of my, a lot of what I've talked about today is building talent and, and cultures. And yet it can be a little bit like nailing jello to a wall. We're not quite sure what it is. We often know when it's what it's not, but we don't always know what it is. I would like to ask the question, what is it? What is what is good, healthy corporate culture? Amazing. Well, we will link to that contact information we talked about for anyone who wants to provide some input to your question, Tracy. Is email the best way for folks to get in touch with you? Is LinkedIn better? What's your what's your favorite method of communication? I am kind of old school, so I would say email. All right. Perfect. Well, Tracy, thank you so much for being on the show today. It has truly been a pleasure getting to connect with you. I hope you stay well. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning into the See You Insight Network podcast. And we will be back again next time. 